Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Welcome to Good Job, where we interview some inspiring people from the music industry and look at their journey from their very worst job to present day. And this is probably why I work so hard and I just keep going and pushing because I think we've got so much potential inside of us mm-hmm. that every day is an opportunity to put mm. out more, to influence people, to encourage others, to live out our purpose. Today's guest is mobile-nominated gospel singer Sarah Tabo. We chat about how to juggle family life, work and creating music, how to deal with criticism and the difference between singing in church and singing in the music industry and talk about if it's ever too late to start a career in music. Good job. So we start with the same question for everyone. Okay. What has been your worst ever job? I think for me, it was starting out as an, because I am an accountant by trade. Mm -hmm. And my very first accounting job, I was tasked with going into the archives and pulling out files of old invoices and receipts. And I literally had to wear a lab coat to go in there because it was so dusty. People never put things back where they took them from. So if you were looking for an invoice from, say, like 19 whatever, you would not find it in the 19, you know, row. You probably need to go and look in a different cupboard or whatever. It was really, really frustrating. But it was kind of like a baptism of fire. And for me, I'm like, never again. So how did you first get into music? Well, I think for me, music has a different number of sides Mm. in a sense. So right now I'm what you'd call a professional, maybe musician but I haven't always been that so I think for me my first introduction to music would have been by my mum because um she really loved Motown soul R&B jazz those classical kind of sounds and she listened to it all the time so I remember when I was probably about four sitting with her and listening to the likes of Marvin Gaye Aretha Franklin and even asking her about who the you know the artists were and what the songs are about and stuff like that and I remember when she told me Marvin Gaye was dead and I was literally crying. I was so emotional. Um, but like my memories of pretty much introduction to music would be listening to music with my mum. And then when I was about 10, I joined the children's choir in church. And then teenagers just going in, youth choirs, writing songs. I started writing songs when I was a teenager in the youth choirs and then doing worship, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing professional. So it was all about singing in church. And To be fair, I do find a lot of the great singers kind of start in church. Mm -hmm. You can literally trace their roots from Whitney Houston through to Aretha Franklin, whoever you want to name, even James Brown, you know. Um, But for me, it was like my grounding, my foundation. But then when you talk professionally, that would have been from around 2014. In the scheme of when artists start, that's quite late. It is, absolutely, because I started professionally when I was married with kids, a full-time job, so much going wow. on already. Wow, that's but a lot. It's a lot, and, but I just kind of knew, okay, it was time to launch out. And it was really challenging for me because I was coming into a, an industry which had lots of young blood. I did feel a bit old, to be fair. Okay. It was a bit it, almost intimidating because you're looking at yourself and going, God, who would even listen to me? Because there's lots of young people doing some great stuff, you know? But I kind of didn't allow it 
stop me because I knew I had something to offer and something relevant as well. The thing is, for me, even though I may not be 20, I do make sure that my music is relevant, so I'm not singing old stuff. <laughs> it still needs to be current. And I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to come out with current music, even though I'm a gospel singer, it has to be current. When you listen to my album, mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like, you know, old hymns or anything. Yeah, It's proper current music, even though it's gospel. And I think for me, that's kind of what made me resonate to people from all ages. And, you know, it's just been, yeah, it's been very good. Did you have any doubts when you first went into this? Oh, yeah, loads. Yeah. I had loads of doubts. I think for me, the biggest doubt was... Would people like my music? Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to write a song and think it sounds good when you play it back to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's another thing to be sure that people would actually like it when they hear it. And so I was really doubtful coming out with my first single. The first one I released in 2015 was called Still My Joy. I just didn't know if people were going to like it. Um, and even when I came up with my album, I had the same kind of, I don't want to call it doubt or fear, almost like cold feet. Because mm-hmm. when you're like, oh, yes, okay, let's do it, let's bring it out. And then you're just about to bring it. Oh, my God, should I, shouldn't I? It's like, I don't know if I should go ahead. You know, that sort of doubtful feeling. Um, and I, I think most creatives feel like that. And sometimes people don't even like the music. You know, I have had um, at least one person write not such a flattering review about my album, even though I've had so many great reviews. So you can't please everyone is one thing I've yeah. learned as well. Not every single person will like your music. And you have yeah. to remember, I suppose, that, like, for that one person that doesn't like you, there'll be another Tons. one that'll absolutely love it. And probably yeah. more, you know, yeah. Yeah. whatever you're doing. It's easy to remember the one horrible one, though, it's isn't it? Truth. I think it's our human nature. We just kind of, you've got a sheet of paper, a white sheet of paper, and you've got a black dot in the centre, and we just see the black dot and not all the whiteness around it. And I think it's just it's just how we are, I don't know, how we're made. Um, but I think the good thing is I have friends who I can confide in. I've got at least two or three people who I can say, apart from my husband, who I can mm-hmm. say, this is how I'm feeling right now. Can you, you know, call me out if you think I'm being silly, if you think I'm overreacting? And literally tell me if you think this is really bad. Even before I put out any music, I actually have um, a little circle of people who I'd send the songs to to say, give me feedback before it goes out and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they come back with thoughts on oh you need to fix this or do that and that and that so I do take on board criticism very well because you can't grow you know if you can't take or handle criticism so it is a bit sometimes deflating but you know you do learn and grow and at the time it feels bad but once you get the end product and you're proud of it then it's fine yeah absolutely yeah what was the catalyst that really made you go from accountancy to, (laughs) to music I wouldn't say catalyst because the thing is, music has always been in parallel with my Mm. studies or career or profession and motherhood. It's always been there, even if it's just singing in church. And to be honest, singing in church is just as demanding as as being a recording artist because you've got rehearsals at least twice a week. And you're in wow. church all of Sunday. So, wow. so it's literally like having a gig every weekend because you're in church singing every Sunday. Yeah. So the weekends are pretty much all about singing. So for me, because it's always been in parallel with everything I've ever done, I think coming out to become a recording artist wasn't such a shock to my system because I was pretty much used to rehearsing every week, you know, mm-hmm. being out every weekend, singing, rehearsing in church or going for concerts and things all around the gospel scene. So not too much of a shock to my mm-hmm. culture, but still... It was an addition to the fact that I already have church and all these other things. And now I have a recording artist career on the side. So it is quite stretching, but somehow I make it work. I know. It's amazing that you're still full-time and doing all this at the same time. And your kids and your husband. Yeah. Yeah. 
I try to prioritize stuff. I try mm-hmm. to plan ahead as much as I can, but sometimes sometimes I get my dates wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I do try as much as I can to plan things well ahead, kind of get a schedule so I can tell when there's windows of opportunity where I can take things on. And when it comes to gigs, I try not to take on more gigs than I can actually handle or have the capacity to manage and um, I try to limit it to two or three gigs a month and even my friends say to me that's a lot I'm like really but um I think as a recording artist an independent one at that we don't have a big label that can organize a worldwide or nationwide tour that could last a few months and then you take a break yeah. so we don't really have that sort of infrastructure so in a way you have to just keep going around the circuits and doing the gigs just to keep yourself relevant to keep your sound fresh you know keep yourself front of mind you know in the audience and the fans as well and fans as well unfortunately it just takes a lot of time because I need to plan for all these gigs plan you know my kids lives plan my work schedule and all of that um I I'm planning on going on a retreat (laughs) I don't blame you I don't blame you I I think I, I was thinking of putting a social media post up that says there is a spa break with my name on it somewhere and I'm going to find it yeah. literally because I do I do also value the importance of taking time out mm-hmm. and just, you know, pulling away from everything, social media, everything, maybe just a day or two and do nothing. Yeah. And I think for me, it's a bit of a hard one because I'm a very active person. I thrive in being active and busy. So I have to literally discipline myself to kind of draw back. I'm exactly. exactly yeah, I'm always wanting to fill my time with something mm. apart from when it's time to sleep. Um, so um, I'm going to consciously have to make time to just retreat. Yeah, and you need to recuperate so that yeah, you can put out. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. it's hard to create when you're tired. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And when you're in a really good rested space, often suddenly you're like, oh, I've got all this creative energy yeah, to yeah. make new music and stuff. So absolutely. Before album three, maybe. Um, <laughs> not too soon. Not too soon. <laughs> Chilling yeah. first. Chilling first. Exactly. Let's chill first and then work, work on album three. Yeah. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Tell me about being a worship leader. What does that entail? Because as I said, for me, growing up in Scotland, church is especially singing in church, which is a shame. It's quite stuffy. It's so different from my childhood experience of church. And everything I've seen, everyone who tells me um, about church in London, and things, they, it's just such a, in gospel, vibrant, it's, yeah, yeah, vibrant, and so much energy, and singing, yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I wish that was my experience. You should come over, you should come over <laughs> one day. Um, no, I think, it's not, I wouldn't say it's 
that different in the sense that, you know, it's all about singing to God. Mm -hmm. So at least in that, we've got that in common. In a way, denominations, different churches do things mm. different ways. I'm from a Pentecostal background, yeah. but I go to a charismatic um, slash kind of Baptist apostolic church. And it's very diverse. So it's almost like half black, half white sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because we have to cater to all the different people. So in our yeah. church, for example, there could be people who have backgrounds like yours. Yeah. And there could be people who have Pentecostal backgrounds who want it really vibrant and energetic. Yeah. And it's about getting the balance right. Um, it is quite energetic still in my church compared yeah. to how you've described yours. But for me, the important thing is about getting the people to worship, to um, not really think about me singing. Mm -hmm. I've really had to learn the difference between performing and being a worship singer. Because ah, okay. I started out singing in church and it was all about bringing the people in and, you know, helping them sing to God. But when I became a recording artist, I had to learn, when you come to my gig, it's not a worship... Because I do Hard Rock Cafe, I do Pizza Express and things like that, and or I do festivals, and it's about getting the people going. You know, maybe even if I sing an acoustic song, I'm not necessarily saying to them worship, you know, right now, but I'm trying to get them into the music, get them into me, even as the artist, the performer. Mm -hmm. So get them into the show, kind of, you know. So it's a bit different um, performing from worshipping. You know, the whole worship scene is about just bringing people in and helping them to, you know, lift up their eyes to God in that space. And it doesn't, ha it doesn't have to be, you know, energetic or loud or subtle or it doesn't have to be there's no prescriptive way because when you think mm -hmm. about it there's so many different kinds of people with different temperaments with different preferences yeah. for music some people like classical music yeah so you couldn't force them to worship through rock music for example exactly you know they would want to worship god through a very subtle reflective kind of sound and some would rather have rock loud guitars and everything mm -hmm. like if you go to a hillsong church it's all it's almost like a club yeah. But it's worship as well. So it all depends on, on the audience that you're trying to, to um, help with the worship experience, which is where it gets tricky for us as leaders, because then it's a whole diverse audience and you still need to get everyone in that space. Mm -hmm. And I think that also um, feeds into the choice of song. And your music, you've got so many different influences. You've got the R&B style, yeah. but also you were... Were you born in the UK? I'm and in the UK. And you went, went to Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah. And then... Oh, interesting accent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, how has both of these cultures, how have they affected your music? Very immensely. And interestingly enough, American culture has affected or influenced my music as well. Because mm. in Nigeria, we, lis we listened back then to a lot of... Um, American music and that was pretty much what my mum listened a lot to as well um, I would say that coming back to the UK and starting my music profession or career in the UK has made it very interesting should I say for me because I've had to take on different flavours into how I write and present my music mm -hmm. um, even from the lyrics through to the delivery I've had to be very conscious of yeah. how yeah of how everything comes through I find that if I was like in Nigeria, writing just for a Nigerian audience. I don't know if you listen to Afrobeat, but there's some songs, uh, you should, it's, it's really popular. <laughs> there's some songs that literally have a girl's name and the, in the whole chorus repeated like 20 okay. times. And they're hits, they've got millions of views on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. But you couldn't bring that and replicate that to a Western sort of yeah. consumer base because they'll be like, okay, can we not write anything more in the chorus? Even sometimes people critique Beyonce's songs, like, is that all oh, there is to a chorus, you know, yeah. much less me. So I think being in different cultures has influenced how I've written and delivered my music. But at the same time, I've had to, I've drawn from different cultures as well. I've drawn from Nigerian culture, drawn from the American culture. 
but I've kind of been able to blend it so well that it doesn't really start. I mean, it's kind of become a sound in its own. Yeah. So you can't really say, oh yeah, that's that song on the album sounds like Nigerian and that song sounds American and that song sounds British. Yeah, because yeah, I've got this whole root in soul and gospel and I've kind of blended it together in all the sounds I've produced. You have a phrase that you use a lot on your social media. You're like, what is it? You've been stalking me. No, it's die empty. Oh, yeah. That. What is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's probably why I work so hard and I just keep going and pushing because I think we've got so much potential inside of us mm-hmm. that every day is an opportunity to put mm. out more, to influence people, to encourage others, to live out our purpose. Mm. And the more we keep doing that, the more we're giving out of what is inside of us to the point where when we leave this earth, whatever age it is, at least there'll be nothing in the grave other than our bodies. No potential is left, you know, unused. Unfortunately, we do tend to see that. But I think I do want to encourage people, no matter how old or young you are, start thinking about what value you're creating and adding to the world and to the lives of people around you and just keep getting stuff out. Obviously, find ways to replenish yourself. But really, it's about, you know, just putting out the value that's inside of you, the potential, you know, Mm. maximise the potential inside of you and hopefully when the time comes to move on to the next phase, there'll be nothing left to give, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also remembering... A lot of people don't remember that music has value in a weird way. A lot of people think that it's being selfish, but people take stuff from your music. I'm sure you've had people just be like, that's made me feel something, that's helped my life in a certain way. I mean, last week I got a message and I put it on my... Facebook and Instagram, actually, Mm. of somebody who listened to my album called Keep Walking, my new album. She's going through cancer at the minute. Mm. And so she sent a message to a friend of hers who happens to have my number and said to him, tell Sarah that her music has kept me and has given me the will to stay alive. Oh, that's amazing. And I was having a tough day that Mm. day. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I was quite depressed. And when I got that message, I was like, oh, God. This is just exactly what I needed. Sometimes you don't know. Because obviously, if if he didn't send the message to me, I wouldn't have known that my music was impacting lives. And the truth is, whether or not she told me, it is happening. There's nothing more your music can really do if it does stuff like that. Literally, I was like, gosh, I need to share this and to encourage people that, you know, whatever it is that you've got, just share it. Give it to someone because you know you never know what life. Even if it's even if it's just a smile, you could be saving a life just by, you know, smiling to somebody because they might be going through a really tough day, and that could actually you know do something positive. Have you got any advice for people who want to be singers? I got loads. <laughs> How much time have you got? <laughs> Especially uh, as an independent artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so different. Oh yeah, as an independent artist, one of the things I found. Um, coming into the scene was that you are everything you're not just a singer mm-hmm. you are your own A&R person you are your own marketer you are your own promoter you are your own in quotes manager as well unless you have a manager so until you get to the point where you've got you've got people who can take on those responsibilities for you you do have to put that hat on so when I first started music I was a bit reluctant to go onto Facebook and say here I am I my song. But then I had to realise, look, if you don't do it, no one is going to sell mm. your product for you. So you're, you are also your own salesperson. 
if you're an artist and you haven't got PRS and PPL, that's mm-hmm. another thing um, for independent artists, you register all your repertoire with them. So your songs, they come out, you, re- you register them with these platforms. So when my music gets played on BBC, for example, I get some money. It might not pay my mortgage, but at least it's something. But if I didn't register my music with those platforms, then it just goes into the stratosphere because they can't collect any money for, for me if they don't know that I've got a song out there being played. Basically, just you're going to have to wear as many hats as possible, not just sing be persistent, be consistent and be resilient. I know it sounds like I'm rapping, but a lot of the time we get pushed back as independent artists. When you're coming out as a new artist, regardless of your genre, you'll get rejections, you'll get pushed back. You need to keep pushing through and be consistent with your content, with your presence, with your gigs. It's hard work. But if I can do it with a full-time job with a husband and two kids, <laughs> yeah. then I think you might be able to as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And how do you get the confidence to do that? Have you always had that confidence? I'd say yes or no. I, I know I do get um, performance anxiety sometimes just yeah. before going on stage. Um, my knees buckle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Classic. But I think for me, when I'm about to go on stage and, and, and perform or lead worship, I think about the people and I think that, mm-hmm. that, for me, is the most important thing. I think about the fact that I'm about to sing a song that would encourage and uplift and inspire people. Mm-hmm. When I did Pizza Express um, in March, there was a couple who came. And usually when I finish my gigs, I like to go around and say hello to people if I get the chance. And an elderly couple came to me and said, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And the guy was actually in tears. He was probably about in his 60s. And he was in tears. His wife was standing by him and trying to console him. And later on, I got to find out that they'd had a really tough year. He'd been diagnosed with um, a terminal disease. And just being there that evening and listening to the songs that I sang, from songs of encouragement, songs of upliftment and inspiration and hope, they just felt that was the best experience they've had all year, having Mm -hmm. had such a difficult start to the year, because that was in March. Um, So I think about these things. I think about the people, you know, they're waiting on something from me. I can't, you know, I can't bail out. I need to to get it done. And to be honest, when I pick up the microphone, I just become a different person. Yeah. I I think it happens to everyone. I Mm -hmm. don't know if it's an alter ego thing or if it's just the excitement of singing or being on stage. But once I just start, Everything just takes over. So yeah, yeah, and you're in the flow of. Uh, literally, yeah. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you for being thank here. Thank you, and I really enjoyed it. Good. Do it do, do it do it now, do it do Good job. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.